0: So welcome to Academia... Uh... Or... Uh, or uh, uh... Right. We haven't figured out. Academia
1: uh... Or Academia uh... Yeah. Uh or uh... Uh... I'm Benny Torres. I'm Jasmine McNeely. Uh... We are both, uh... Academics. Supposedly. Supposedly. That's right. what they say. Uh... From, uh... Different places. And this podcast is... Just supposed to be a... Sort of relaxing... Chat... Slash... Vent... About being
0: uh, a young, relatively new academic or... Yeah. So it's about academia and the stuff that people don't talk about sometimes in academia. Yeah.
1: Jasmine and I were kind of looking for some like voices, and there's not
0: a lot of young academics talking about,
1: you know... Yeah, so that's what we're doing.
0: You know, I think they might be talking about it, but I think they're dispersed. There's no... Place where the conversation is being had as public, perhaps. As we this. have
1: aspirations to be there. <laughs> we'll see how it works. Yeah. we're off to a great start. Uh, uh, I think the first question that I have for both of us as yeah. we're talking is like, what, what's your what's your history? How how did you end up here? Uh, what's what's your history in academia?
0: Yeah, so I've been uh, I've been teaching higher education since. My first class, solo class of myself, was in two thousand six, and I was in grad school. Um, and so it's been—I've been to a couple of different universities, been at a couple of different universities, um, north, south, mid-south, so east coast. So I've seen a few things. You've you know. hopped from a different, from a couple of oh, different yeah, I've uh, regions, even. Yes.
1: Uh not to even like I mean because we haven't you know, but not, I'm just curious, yeah do you th- do you see are there regional differences are oh. there regional differences for real, even in like higher ed
0: absolutely, absolutely, and that's not saying one is more better than another, it's just completely different, and that that has a lot to do with the history of this country, history of states, and you know the emphasis put on public education and education in general, but yeah it's it's different.
1: Is it well, always
0: in public to... for you? No, I've gone to a private, uh, worked at a private university, and uh, you know that was. In, it's very much, it's very different, and some of the stuff remains the same as usual. So yeah. Uh,
1: and uh, just so the listeners know, this first introductory beta, we're calling it maybe even episode zero. Yes. Uh, we're really just exploring. So. You know we might stumble upon some topics that we weren't even expecting that are inspiration for future podcasts. So this might be a little bit less structured than most.
0: Probably. Because we're just testing. Absolutely. What about you, Benny? Yeah, my uh, interaction started a
1: little bit later than yours. <laughs> uh, I actually graduated in '07, But even back then, I was an RA. I had been an RA for four years. And the thought of interacting with young people in this age... Fascinated me, so I almost did it, but I I ended up actually going to advertising. And it wasn't until two thousand and twelve, maybe even a little bit later than that, two thousand thirteen, that I actually worked in the first sort of like higher ed like uh, situation. Mm -hmm. I'd done like mentorship and some light things and guest lectured, but I hadn't really like formally been asked. uh, And I was asked at the Chicago Portfolio School. So people out there might not realize that there's a whole sort of genre of pre-professional colleges or schools uh, in advertising that are like non-accredited. So like we're talking as light touch here as possible. Like if we're talking public-private, this is almost like professional as a third genre. Uh, So I taught a couple of classes in digital creativity uh, there, and it was in the Midwest. It was in Chicago. Uh, And then this is actually my first formal academic position over the last year and a half. I've been... Uh, visiting professional professor, professional, visiting professional slash, you know, lecturer. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're
0: know, in the southeast. You're and, in the southeast. You know. Yeah, southeast. Um, yeah. So I wonder, like, you. The thing you mentioned is that you worked in housing for a while. I wonder, I did too. So I wonder, like, how many people who go back and teach and stuff like that have started off in some kind of like housing or something like that. I
1: think you're onto something because I think like student housing. Until I got into it, I didn't realize that like thinking about twenty somethings, early twenty somethings was a was a thing. Yeah. Obviously it's a thing. Like I guess we tend to it was one of the things I appreciated most about my college experience and then stepping away from it is that like in America, college still has this like almost pleasantville like <laughs> character. Is it, sure. Like it's like a it's like a cartoon version. Of college in our collective culture, yeah, and even being an RA, let alone an academic, now the difference between what we sort of see in movies and idealize as the college experience, Experience, yeah, one is changing so quickly, but also that sort of cartoon is a cartoon in a really kind of crazy way. It actually makes you wonder how do we not have more pop culture? That gets into the nuances of this age group, right. or of this sort of, like, world. Not even age group, but it's much broader than just 18 to 22-year-olds. Yeah. But, like, it's something that is kind of like a weird cartoon version. But I think the
0: housing might be the... Well, I definitely think it, there's something, because housing rights, so you get people at the absolute worst. Like, housing is a crucible. Like, you get, like, stuff gets all kinds of emotional and physical and, and economic and, and social issues are all in housing and you have to deal with that. And there's like educational programming that has to happen in housing. So like everything happens all at once. And it's like, if you make it through that, perhaps you should go on and, and, and <laughs> if teach. You survive right. it, I'm
1: so passionate about it. It's a good point. And it was so funny. The reason I didn't go into housing, was because of a high school teacher of mine. I went back to my high school as I was in college because I had a weird high school where we did that, and I, 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 you know, and it wasn't even a teacher that I particularly enjoyed, uh, but I, I, mentioned that like I was in housing and I was interested in sort of like continuing with, you know, higher education or in some way serving that, and she said, "No, no, no, don't do it, don't do it," and I was like, "Why?" She's like. You're going to live like you're in college for the rest of your life. And, like, that's kind of all it took for me. Like, And she just said it with such, like, the fear in her eyes yeah. that I was like, okay, cool. And that's what's so interesting to me and why I think this podcast needs to happen or, like, we need more of these conversations. Because right. this is such a weird, unique, <laughs> huh? sociological, anthropological experiment it that's is. happening. And, no, but, like... W- we just trust these 18-year-olds to go into the system and, like, you know, we have college towns. There's whole towns devoted to it. There's whole language and culture and services. And rankings. Rankings. You know, you talked about housing. It just dawned on me, like, we're getting, you know, it's such a weird time <laughs> in your this. life. Exactly. And we're getting, as, as people who were formerly in housing and as people who are now teaching, but, we're we get a front-row seat to all that crazy.
0: And, you know, it's funny that you call it an experiment. It is a continuing, it's like a longitudinal study. Let's start, like, way (laughs) back and and then continue on, like, hundreds of years because uh, you throw some new stuff in, let's see if it works, right? So it's, I mean, they talk about, like, prison industrial complex. There's, like, the university industrial complex and, like, the housing industrial complex. But, like, all of these things have significant ramifications for everything. It's interesting. It's it's so funny because it does. It has ramifications across the board.
1: And I think the funny thing is we're used to either talking about it in a very sort of formal, you know, more research-oriented language (laughs) and sensibility, right? The language of academics, of academia, that sort of traditional ivory tower thing. We tend to not have casual conversation unless we're reminiscing about this stage of life which right. is really interesting, or this group of people, or just the college town or the college experience in general. Uh, you'll notice, by the way, as, as we continue talking, I'm sure, I definitely have a bias towards undergraduates. So, like, I will more, I will more often than not sort of reflect that, that, that bias, uh, you know. And I'll, I'll try my best to sort of keep on thinking about grad students and PhDs and all that kind of stuff. But it's just not, and I think that's one of the reasons why Jasmine and I are sitting here, uh, we're sitting here because we come from it from very different perspectives. I'm coming at it from an undergraduate student mindset. I only have my bachelor's. Uh, I mean, I would. Some listeners might even scoff at that and go, "Like, how do you even call yourself an academic?" But here I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I just a caveat. I will always sort of. You'll hopefully you'll keep me. <laughs> oh
0: <laughs> no, I definitely see that. Well, one of the things we probably will talk about is is there really any difference between undergrad and grad school anymore because, you know, of how things are. Many more people are going to grad schools or things they're calling grad schools or whatever, and, and we'll see what that actually means. So, yeah, I'm
1: curious to explore it. So, like, you know, um, on, the, on the path of more things to explore, <laughs> one of the questions that we have here just to talk about is, like, Jasmine and I got so lucky as to start. At the same time. same time, yeah. Uh, so I'm curious, sort of like, it's been about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what things are on your mind a year and a half or so into the experience? And, you know, we already talked about, you know, something we weren't expecting, which was the housing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just curious. Let's ping pong back and forth on sort of like how it's
0: been. Well, I mean, I guess it, as far as things go, it's been fine, you know, which fine can mean so many different. It's been fine. Um, it, there's just a lot of things that you think about at a university, especially like a, a big old land grants flagship, you know, uni- public university like the one where, where we are. And so there's a lot of things that go on. And there's a lot of things that students face. That face the campus. You know, there's outside, there's external, like politics and things that are happening in the world today and in the country today and in the state today. Mm-hmm. And there's stuff that people face on a regular basis economic things and, and social things and, and, you know, emotional, psychological things that people face. And the, all of this affects people. And I think um, navigating that is very interesting, right? Yeah, I mean,
1: on the, on the politics thing, not national politics, but like organizational politics, uh, one of the things on my mind is, uh, man, I coming from a more corporate, you know, my background is in ad agencies, but I've worked in startups, I've worked in, you know, I've worked across a variety of organizations, I think, uh, I've never experienced anything organizationally quite like academia. No. It's one of the topics that I want to like, get into eventually, but like, just on my mind a year and a half, one of the things that pops up in my brain as brightest is how shocking it was and still, and still is, only a year and a half in, to go from you know, non-academic, political, and sort of in, you know, uh, organizational principles, whatever that looks like, right? mm-hmm. uh, and then coming here. Uh, my, the metaphor I would give for myself um, is it's it almost feels like a different language Oh it yeah, it feels like during it, learning a different language
0: and and i will, I, will, I will add to this because I didn't come from the profession like you did here. I came from another university and I will say like universities are like snowflakes I mean and that's a loaded term right there, but no to organizational political schemes are the same like how you were able to do things or get by with things at one place will be completely different at another university and they might even look the same have the same kind of feel and and mission or whatever but they will operate completely differently and it's so bizarre yeah
1: Uh, one of my so i have a friend who's in another sort of Large public Southern university, and we were having a conversation recently. And the way that he framed it, and it was a slightly unrelated topic, but like the way that he framed it was that uh, the university is almost like a hair salon, <laughs> and all the like colleges, and also even the faculty members that live on that live. It's like buying a chair in a hair salon. Mm-hmm. So that these organizations that we think are like, you know, that I before I before I was in it, I really thought the, the university as the university. Right. Like, as a, a cohesive, solid thing. I very quickly was humbled in that way, and I get how everyone is a special, unique snowflake in a very, very different way because there's just so many factors that fundamentally change things. Oh, yeah. We're a research institution versus a liberal arts institution. Yeah. We're state versus private. We're big versus small. We're in a city versus not in a city. We're in a college town versus just... A college that's in a, a town. town. Yeah. Um, all of it really messes with sort of like, you know, and what's been interesting to me to see, and I'm curious to get your take on other organizations, is that uh, uh, it, it feels like the Catholic Church sometimes. Where like, <laughs> it's, it's really so old.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: And um, so steeped in tradition that one... 100-year legacy in one state and another 100-year legacy in another state. It's like different chains of evolution. Mm -hmm. Like, I could see how it would be so different because they're isolated, but they're also... Maybe I'm pulling words out of my butt here, but, like, they're, like, self-perpetuating in a weird way. So, like, I could see how University of Florida uh, politics or University of Alabama politics or University of Syracuse or... Syracuse
0: Syracuse, Syracuse, University.
1: Politics are all different. Yeah because they have their own traditions that have,
0: you know, from the start. No, no, I absolutely agree. If their own traditions, their own, like, they started with a certain population in mind, or a certain, like, uh, mission to educate a certain kind of people, or a um, state mandate to do certain things, right? And, or federal funding to do certain things. That, of course, money... Will be driving a whole lot of interest in in these things, and people don't talk about that as much as they perhaps should, right? But yeah, these are all these are these huge behemoths that have fingers and everything. Yeah.
1: What's funny about it's me, and it what's particularly humbling is, as an undergraduate, I had no clue. Even at the end of four years of interacting, which is funny because. In, like, frankly, even in my high school, for example, I remember even at that young an age being aware of the institution and how it was working and all this kind of stuff, right? So, like, in high school, I was aware that we were hiring younger teachers and we'd happen to hire people from, you know, our, you know, because high schools are, you know, yeah. As a college undergraduate, and I'm kind of shifting a little bit here to another topic that fascinates me, which is undergraduates, so oblivious. <laughs> to all of it,
0: yeah. even if
1: they are hyper-political, even if they are involved in student government or involved in the workings of it. There's a really interesting firewall, almost, between undergraduates and kind of like what actually makes a university work.
0: Right. Well, I mean, it's not just undergraduate. I would say in grad school, I was kind of oblivious as well. I mean, if, if you have to, you have a responsible for more things in graduate school and you have more inter- closer interactions, I think, with more people outside of perhaps your department or college than you normally would. And even that's like, you know, truncated a bit. But I would say that now as a faculty member or staff member, right, you see a bit more. It's like, if I can nerd out a bit, right? So it's like Upton Sinclair and he goes, he does the jungle, right? So he actually... It's not just, oh, let me talk to people who work at a, you know, a food processing plant, right? And see, I can report like that. But no, going and working there, I see how sausage is made. And then I don't even see all of it, right, at the same time. But I see, I've seen more, and I'm telling you, it ain't, it ain't all, you know, puppies and kitties all the time. Well, that's the thing.
1: You just said it. That's one of the things that's been most surprising to me from an organizational standpoint <laughs> Is that you have all these sort of matryoshka dolls? Like, there's like all these <laughs> oh, like little dolls right. within dolls within dolls okay. that I've never had so many conversations where it feels like there's like a sort of Damocles or some sort of like omnipotent being outside of the control of anybody in the organization. Yeah, that's yeah. affecting things, which is really fascinating. Like, and it's I like, I don't mean that in a bad like. Yes, it can be frustrating, but like and we'll have plenty of time to talk about the frustrations, but like what it does to an organization or what it what it means that in a college there's not actually there is a ridiculous amount of autonomy. So for example, I came here with just a good luck and a pat on the butt and had to create four classes myself and and it was not given a lot of support or guidance on that kind of thing. I was even—I asked someone who had this position before me, sort of, about the rules and like you know what the check-ins were going to be like and what the evaluations were going to be like and all that kind of stuff. And he laughed at me. He straight <laughs> up laughed, right? Because I didn't know. Because coming right. from industry, you right. would, you know expect something. Um, so it is super entrepreneurial. It is super. It's way more entrepreneurial and, than I think people realize. But on the flip side, you are way less in control of the things above you, or you have less access. So if I if I had a problem with my company, I could go up the ladder, and I knew who at the end was making end decisions. But here, in academia, it's shocking, because like, it's like uh, Shinto, or <laughs> the Roman pan- pantheon of gods. Right. Like there is a menagerie oh, yeah. of all these different forces that don't necessarily have to work together, or even like each other, as, as, not
0: as people as as horses, yeah. It's super you know, I mean, that's interesting you brought that up because people do think it's it's very enterprise oriented, it's very entrepreneurial, and very people say it's very autonomous, right? So we are given a lot of power. We get you know, academic yeah, freedom, which will probably, freedom. I'm sure, will be yeah. a, a topic of conversation as we go on. But at the same time, within the bounds of academic freedom, there are. Freedom is not necessarily as free as we, we think it is, right? So there are boundaries and there's a an like a overarching mission or vision that gets interpreted many different ways by many different people as far as what you're supposed to be doing. So
1: That's been one of the other interesting things for me uh, in terms of getting things done, in terms of innovation, yes. in terms of higher education innovation. You start to gain an appreciation for how the startup model that, yeah, you know what? It's drastically changed the world and technology and our country and all that kind of stuff. But you start to get a sense for how incompatible Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: these century-long systems are with disruptive, being disrupted. Uh, And in a weird way, like, and I don't know if there's a topic here or not, but like, I wonder about higher education. Like, I wonder if it's if it's ripe for disruption or if it's even possible to disrupt because... And I hate this word. I don't mean it in a bad way, this word. I'm going to say it's bureaucracy is the word, but I, I don't mean it in a bad way. Sure. I just mean listeners, particularly if you're not involved in academia, but certainly if you are involved in academia, you realize how much, how many layers there are. Uh <laughs> And by necessity, almost, or at least, like, it would take a reset to such an nth degree that, like, you know, it's a, it's a different, it's a, it's a, you don't call it higher education at that point anymore. Like, it's been built this way for a reason, but it's also really resilient yeah. against disruption in a weird way. I don't know.
0: I, yeah, I think it's resilient, but I think also resilience and we'll probably talk about this, but resilience the resilience of higher education is based to a, a huge extent on the support it gets from uh, like the governing bodies, right? Whether well, that's from the state legislature, the governor, but also we're thinking about uh, accreditation mm-hmm. people and, and national and even I would say to a smaller extent international organizations, right? I think... You know, people touting or people have touted like MOOCs is going to be the the disruption, online education Mm -hmm. and and all these other like startups. Oh, you don't need to go to a traditional college. And for some people, that's correct. I think, though, one of the major things uh, with respect to higher education is thinking about um, how it's characterized or how it's been characterized, right? For a lot of people... Higher education is a way to for upward mobility. Mm -hmm. For other people, it's just like, oh, I need to go to get a job, right? Or I was told I had to Mm -hmm. go to to get a job. And then that seeps into how they approach their time within higher education as well. And I'm not saying people aren't concerned about getting a job, period, right? A career or whatever. Mm -hmm. However... When you bill higher education as, okay, job training versus teaching you how to think critically and, and those kinds of things, you end up with a very different result and a very different perspective from people going through that process then.
1: I mean, it's just and, such a tantalizing topic. I'm sure that there's – maybe we do devote a whole episode or maybe a pre-episode pretty soon to this. But I do want to touch on it, and I want to, I'll give my take and then you give your take. Let's dial it all the way back here and say, for you personally, for Benny, for me personally, what was the goal, what was the role, what was the importance of higher education? And when I think about it, I see such a disconnect between what's happening now for most students and what it was for me. Yes. For me, it was explore, experiment. It was, luckily I had gotten an education that had bred critical thinking mm-hmm. quite a bit, but mm-hmm. it was being challenged in that even more. It was also a lot of free time. And I don't mean that in a bad way. What I, and I don't mean free time in terms of not time not with homework, but like even your homework expanded out more. So you ha- I, I felt like one of the biggest things, one of the biggest roles for higher education for me was helping me figure out how to figure out. Yeah. Helping me, you know, forcing me, giving me the freedom To make those terrible mistakes and learn, okay, what kind of learner am I? What kind of person am I? Uh, And part of that that was important for me in higher ed, and I think it's the reason why so many people have nostalgia for it, is the friendships and the sort of, like, connections that you build between people. Part of higher ed for me, though, was connecting with people I didn't expect. Mm. Uh, Connecting with people that were different than me. Uh, I actually feared coming, you know... I feared going to the college I went to because I thought it wasn't going to be different enough. I thought it, I thought it was going to be pretty homogeneous. It ended up being pretty heterogeneous, and that felt pretty fundamental to me. Um, the other role, I think, in higher ed was, and this sounds so basic, I guess, but it was sort of like I was introduced to people older than me who really pushed me. In 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 the way they wanted to push me, and that's where the autonomy comes in. For the first time in my life, it wasn't, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mold myself around you, or I'm gonna mold this lesson around you, or or we're gonna you're special, so we're gonna we're gonna. It was actually no, I am Professor Murphy. I remember him still. I am Professor Murphy. This is my system. You're gonna learn it, and it's my system because it's my system. And having to sort of. M- Melds how someone else thinks excellently and how I think excellently was, I think, an interesting challenge and tension that only higher ed can give to you. Because mm-hmm. I think even in high school, it's still a little bit about it's still in surf, it's oriented towards the student, I guess. Mm-hmm. And in college, it felt like the first time where I wasn't the most important thing, and I did have to sort of figure out what I wanted and what things I wanted out of it. Um, I'm obviously slightly improvising here. <laughs> but I'm okay. but but I'm I'm just I, I I it just dawned on me that we really had when was the last discussion you had about why are we even doing this like what, what, why, I'm serious <laughs> like, why are, why why do these things even exist yeah. why why you know because now we take it for granted now it's just check 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 cool I had to go to college to get a job
0: right. like yeah no for me there was never a time that I didn't know I was going to college just because my, my parents had just inculcated with, no, you know, you're going to school and blah, blah, because they didn't go. I mean, so they were a part of a generation that didn't, they didn't either didn't need to go because they were good, like, so manufacturing jobs or whatever, or just wasn't as touted necessarily as heavily at that time and for them. Um, it was an opportunity cost. It was opportunity cost. Um, African-Americans, you know, in the Midwest, Right. And you have this town that became just like a Rust Belt town and still is a Rust Belt town. So you could, at at that point in time, still get a good job out of high school, right? And so you didn't necessarily need to go, although it was a good thing to go, right? It was a luxury thing to go. And they went back to school while we were—me and my brother were younger. But there was never a uh, there was never going to be, oh, we're not, you two aren't going to school. We were going to school. And so when I went to school, it was— a lot of autonomy, but a lot of it, if I think back on it, was like grow up. And so I've obviously done more growing post, you know, undergraduate, but a lot of it was a growing up and making decisions for yourself and, and thinking critically and finding and exploring and working in housing and to see how, how that shakes out and dealing with people and people from different perspectives, people from my same city, but had totally different experiences than I did. And uh, so a lot of it was like, you know, uterus up, right? And, and grow up and, 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 and become what you're starting to be. It's a big point that, I,
1: that I, I kind of totally glossed over, which was, it's also, I think the role of higher ed is in a weird way to create, oof, I'm already using this word, uh, to create a safe space. Here's my problem with that word is that people have taken it, that phrase, and taken it to mean this is a space that is frozen.
0: No. Yeah.
1: Whereas what I think of a safe space, or when I think of colleges, no, it's the exact opposite. This is where you fail. This is where you can fail the hardest you can possibly fail. Right. And know that there's a system and a network around you that, as long as you don't kill yourself you're going you're going to be able to learn something from it and move on in a productive way that's not just only on you that's like a community around you right and that doesn't exist in many places no. and so one of the i think unique roles of higher education is to be it's like look when you are first growing up yeah cuz we're and you hit the nail on the head we're all all you know we're always becoming you know more grown, however whatever that means but really that 18 to 22 it's the first time that you have legal autonomy and you have right like <laughs> right. legally they are saying and culturally we are saying you are now grown up and part of higher ed i think is creating that space for failure yeah and having resources there to help you put the pieces back together so that when you have to do it in in the quote unquote real world you can do it on your own, or you can figure out where those
0: resources are. Right, so you are kind of. I mean, and again, because higher ed is expanded, there's a lot of more different kinds of people. People who are working, so they're not like kid. You know how we think of like kids, eighteen, seventeen, eighteen year olds going in in their first year, and they don't have to work. They're just there studying. So there's a lot more people who are have been working for a long time or, you know, even though they're 17, 18 years old, right? So a lot of different perspectives. But, like, as a as a whole, we think of, like, people who are kids, who are adults, but they're kids, right? And you think of a baby, a baby, you know, you have them in a safe, safe place, but they fall all the time. They run into walls. They you know, mess themselves all up all the time, but they're never, for the most part, unsafe, right? We think about... They're not in a space usually parents don't keep their babies in places that are unsafe. But they are a lot you know, they do do stuff that hurts themselves, yeah. right? So I I see
1: I see your point about
0: the people who go back to
1: school, the 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 you know, the people who are a little bit sort of more into their lives. I actually just had an interaction. I still think in some way, in the area of expertise, what college or higher education allows you to do is fail in that individual space then. Mm-hmm. So, for example, entrepreneur came up to me, and uh, I had sort of, uh, uh, Jasmine and I were in a meeting uh, before this, uh, before we recorded this, and I had double booked. I, I, I mistakenly had him for a meeting, and I was in another meeting. And he, it was for something related to his business. Yeah. And he reacted to my being 10, 15 minutes late, so deep and which is unprofessional, but he reacted so unprofessionally to that small slight. Right, like people miss meetings all the time. It's you know you know it's not the most professional thing in the world. But right, and he also hadn't done the basics needed uh-huh. to sort of get what he needed to get done. Yeah, that kid, if he were thirty, he still might not have. The norms or understand sort of like on the ground what it takes to actually get things done, and I still think that like my interaction with him was, "Whoa, you really messed up here, man. you are you 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 are yes, I was unprofessional, actually, here are some tangible things that you did incorrectly based on the goal that you wanted, and as I think about anybody who comes through a higher education system, it really is being told like. Whoa, you think you know this, you think that's how you, it's done. Here's how you know I would do it. Let's figure it out mm-hmm. together so we can figure it out your way. It's not you are learning from on high. It's like let's work on this together uh, in some way. Yeah, um, It's a question though that like because even in the language you used about your own life, you just assume that you go to college, mm-hmm. like somewhere along the line, it just became like another check, check check. Uh, And so, what? 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 You know.
0: So I don't know if it's even like college for a lot of people, although college is the term, but advanced training or advanced study, focused study on 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 something, right? So it could be in HVAC, it could be in you know you know radiology, or it could be in whatever it is. But like people need some kind of skill, some kind of training in certain things, but I think this is leads to a, uh, another conversation, which is, okay, so there's universities, there's colleges, there's trade schools, but they're, so, but they're so different, and yet sometimes people expect the same things from those very different places. And
1: we expect people to figure it out kind of on <laughs> By their themselves, own,
0: yeah.
1: Right? It's not a part of secondary education to train you on what the role of higher education is in your life or continued education is in your life. Right. So, like, one, first, got to have parents like you and I had that are pounding it in you, learn, 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 right? And that's just that parental thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you got to critically think, okay, why? Uh, and that's a question that, and th- th- this is another topic that I want to hit on uh, in some future. Somewhere along the line, and I'm not even trying to get into policy, but, like, with standardized testing in secondary education, a lot of the people I am seeing in our world right now lack the fundamental unit of, I think, improvement, which is critical thinking.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. We're like, they are really just looking for an answer. Just give me an answer. And I have no interest in sort of, okay, but how do you get to that answer? And why is that the answer? And do I even need an answer? Like, you know, like... Not asking the why, Uh, and heck, you know, we just sat here talking for five, ten minutes about the role of higher education. It might be summed up in, like, why. Like, not how, just, but why. And asking that question and being able to build those things, uh, you know, yourself.
0: Also, I I have always believed that people... And perhaps in the United States, for the most part, I'm not sure about, obviously, Canada, Mexico, and other other countries. But people have not placed the value or taken the value away from learning a trade. You know, car mechanics, like I said before, HVAC and stuff like plumbing and journeyman kind of, you know, welding. People have taken the value from that. And so you have people who would otherwise be working with their hands and that's great and it's cool and it's nice but you know maybe they can be doing that making a huge amount of money more money than many of us make right Mm -hmm. and they would be happy except except they're told oh you have to go to university and the skills that they would use plumbing and, and working with their hands are devalued, right? Oh, there's a plumber? Ugh, what? You know? Or even if they don't say, ugh, it's looked down as not as great of a profession perhaps as it should be right. plumbers make good money plumbers right. are all entrepreneurs plumbers plumbers own their own businesses right <laughs> the, you know what I'm saying the modern world is way more dependent <laughs> on, on plumbers, plumbing right. than on
1: advertising <laughs> or on like you know, you know I'm some saying? of the things that we teach here genuinely right it's a really good point but
0: it's looked down upon and even, even I'm sure even this conversation somebody's gonna hear like oh why are you telling people to go into you know the skilled trades you're looking down on people no I'm not looking I'm saying yeah. some people would rather be working with their hands or a ma- like that's a how maid, their brains right, how work and they they would do it an excellent job in that instead they've been told oh you know you know try to go to this school and, and do this kind of work that you're perhaps not even interested in and you know that's a shame
1: this brings me I bring you to another thing uh, I know both of us are itching to talk about. And it's, it's a multi-headed uh, beast, so there might be... And it's Hydra. Hydra. <laughs> uh, which is diversity. Yeah. Which is diversity, inclusion. I mean, even those words are, 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 are making me roll my eyes. Yeah. You know, di- when different people yes. who disagree yes. or have different perspectives come together in an environment in which... They can all speak and there's a system that allows for mutual respect. Great things happen. Yes. And college is, of all our places, probably, or university, higher education, of all our places, is the place where that can happen the most. <laughs> or at least where, we, where, where, where the environment is nourishing for it. Um, so one of the big topics, I mean Jasmine and I, you know, just this morning we were in a meeting that was a diversity meeting. Yeah. One of the topics we got to address is diversity across the board. I mean maybe, yeah. maybe even talking about the word itself and yeah. figuring out what's a better way to phrase it because you know it has an effect. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> so like so I graduated from undergrad in 2002. So before I graduated, I was working in the dorms in a diversity capacity. So it tells you like how how long we've been, and even before I was on campus anywhere, they were doing diversity and inclusion kinds of things. And here we are still working on diversity, in public education, higher education. So I think one of the questions that we came to like today was okay, we can make all these lists, we can brainstorm ourselves to death. Now what? Like, what are we going to implement and how is it going to be sustained? And how well, I think it boils down to this question how valuable is it to you? Like, how much is it worth to you? to have diversity? Is it just so we can get, like, accreditation? Or is it like, I see you as a valuable part of my world or perspective. That's why I want you here. And it's funny, because you're using,
1: uh, like, I and you words. And maybe I'm just protecting myself. I almost see it more like the institutions themselves Colleges, universities, higher education in general. Yeah. When you ask an individual, usually their response is to be pro different people, pro different perspectives, particularly in an academic tradition. Mm. Usually. Yeah. I would love to debate that one with you. (laughs) That's a future topic. But I, 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 I tend to err on the side of optimism in that, like, and it was something that I think uh, Obama said in his farewell speech or whatever, that there's a reservoir, assume a reservoir of goodness in every person. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I try to do that. On the flip side, I see how m- many of the same people, I'm trying my hardest not to use that ever word, how many of the same people are in leadership positions, our faculty members, our staff are our, 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 you know, these things in, in colleges, uh, in universities in higher ed, and it's a, it's a huge problem. Yeah. Um, and even worse, where we are the last stop before full citizen, arguably. Yeah. right And I mean citizen, not with an uppercase C
0: but a right lowercase, C. lowercase.
1: So it's on us, like, that, it, it, there's almost a moral imperative. That you can imagine as the last stop that is not is not being fulfilled, and I think it's the institutions. It's like
0: well, you know, I I agree with you, it's institutions, but like from, in I guess in all my perspective is that no no institution, no algorithm, no reservoir is anything without the humans behind True. it. You know what I'm saying? So it always boils down to the humans. Why is this algorithm uh, perhaps coming up with this very you know racist result? Well, who programmed the algorithm? You know what I'm saying? It's all based on our prejudices, our viewpoints, our perspectives, our lack of interactions with other people. Mm-hmm. And if that's not a part of our consciousness, then we're not gonna worry about it. So and that's how the organization is going to run. So when I use I and you, yeah. what I mean is it it's really gonna come down to the personal.
1: It's a change of the hearts it, thing,
0: Well, issues. you know, I'm not a, a touchy feel by <laughs> any means, but yeah, I guess, you know, that's it. It's it's really about what I've, what you and I encounter, and what's part of our consciousness on a daily basis,
1: and uh, I'm going to wrap it up here. and oh, yeah, here. and it's the future of America. Oh gosh, and not to even get that that you know, but really outside of our window right here, the very window that we are recording in, there are young people. Who are excited and vibrant, and and more young people as well, and, and the future of this country. Sure. So if we fail on this fundamental thing of hey, this is how you work with different people, this is how you get the best result from those different people, because one, there's different people out there, and it, you know history has shown again and again when it's all the same people, that tends to not work out mm-hmm. in the long run mm-hmm. eventually. Right. So like there's a there's an existential crisis here, um, but let's not talk about crises. Uh, in the last little two or three minutes, I'm curious, what are you excited about? Why are you excited to have this sort of platform? What are you excited about from this podcast? What can listeners hope for? What what can you hope for? I don't know. Just to, to tie up our episode zero.
0: Yeah, so I hope that academia uh, <laughs> turns out to be like a wonderful conversation that we can have about the topics and the debates and the subject matter that people just aren't really talking about. In one collective space on this higher education place in the United States. So
1: yeah, I was reminded. It's the same. I think it's a similar thing for me. Uh, my buddy, who's I got very lucky. My best friend started, you know, in higher ed at the same time I started in higher ed. And every Saturday or Sunday, him and a couple of coworkers sit and have coffee mm-hmm. every Saturday. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping from this podcast is that it just feels. It's like coffee that. talk. It's like coffee talk around <laughs> this topic. Cause sure. I think it's an important sort of topic and world, and a world that not a lot of people are into. Um, my main hope is that we get a whole lot of young, you know,
0: uh,
1: or young at heart academics. <laughs> yeah. I mean that genuinely. Yeah. Uh, who are inspired to have their own conversations and inspired to talk with us. Uh, and, like, we create kind of like a weird digital future coffee table that we're all uh, having these conversations with. Uh, so... Yeah. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Oh absolutely. <laughs> so I'm looking
0: forward to academia. Uh, uh, okay.
1: <laughs> uh so yeah, I'm Benny and
0: I'm Jasmine.
1: That was uh episode zero of uh, oh, academia. academia. Yeah. <laughs>